the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible is the Word of God, and it contains 66 separate books. Today, and most Sundays during the church year, you'll hear of this current church year, you'll hear readings from the book of Mark. But let's consider for a moment that Mark was a totally separate book, hardbound, and we wanted to place Mark in the library. In libraries, books are arranged by category. Where would we put Mark? There would be some who would put Mark as a work of fiction. They reject Jesus being the Son of God in the flesh, come to save. They reject his deity. The accounts of miracles and his resurrection are fiction, according to them, made up much later by deluded Christians. But we know that this is not fiction. Jesus indeed is the Son of God incarnate, who did rise and did rise, who did die and did rise from the dead. Now, there are others who might put the Book of Mark in the religion section, alongside of the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bhagavad Gita. But Mark doesn't belong there either. Put in with these books sends a message that each religion has its own version of truth. Now, this is common in our world where there's a denial of absolute truth and everyone can claim their own version of the truth, their own version of reality. But there is true reality, and there is only one true God, and the only true God of God, only true God incarnate, who has come to save is Jesus Christ. So where should you put the book of Mark? Well, I might suggest you put it in military history. It chronicles the greatest military campaign in all of history, where Jesus Christ comes to wage war against sin, death, and the devil, and to liberate once and for all fallen mankind, and to establish an everlasting kingdom under his reign. Mark is a military history of a campaign far greater than any earthly conqueror such as Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great has ever fought. Our Lord Jesus came into his world the world that he created as the Son of God, a world now totally devastated as a result of the fall and waged war against the powers of the evil one and those who would do Satan's bidding by opposing him and his ministry. Jesus waged war and he has won the eternal triumph. Mark as a military campaign is a lens to view the work of Jesus Christ. This is evident, for example, if you look carefully at Mark. Look at the very first book, verse at Mar in Mark. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The word gospel means good news. And in the ancient world, good news would be spoken by someone who reports back to the city that the victory has been won. The entire gospel of Mark is an account of the victory that has been won in Jesus Christ. It's a book, though, full of conflict from the very start. Already in Mark chapter 1, verse 12, the Holy Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness to be confronted and tempted by Satan. Jesus has to overcome Satan, and this initial confrontation shows you that Jesus is after far more than any earthly victory. And as you heard last week and in today's gospel lesson, Jesus brings his campaign against Satan by casting out Satan's demons who are tormenting God's created human beings. 
Ours is not a merely material world with only visible creatures, each vying for life. No, there is real evil in the world. There is a real Satan who hates mankind and means the destruction of mankind. And Satan has his demons to torment people. Jesus casts out demons, freeing those who were possessed and showing a greater strength over the power of the evil one. Jesus also has to fight earthly opponents. The Jewish religious leaders constantly oppose Jesus. And early in the gospel, you already hear that they desire to kill Jesus. And so the rest of the gospel is in the shadow of their desire to kill Jesus. And indeed they do on the cross. But it's his timing and it's at his bidding on his selected battlefield, not on theirs. Jesus faces constant conflict in the gospel and he ably opposes the force of the evil one and those who are on the side of Satan who oppose Jesus and his ministry. As part of his campaign, Jesus heals the sick. When Jesus heals the sick, he's not trying to create a sort of heaven on earth there in the Holy Land where there is no illness. No, he is undoing the results of the fall. God did not create Adam and Eve to have cancer, heart disease, or malaria. He did not say to Adam and Eve, I made you with a strong immune system so that you would have only colds and minor aches and pains. No, he created them in his image to live in his Garden of Eden and to have perfectly healthy, strong bodies meant to live forever in perfect harmony with the creation and in perfect harmony with him. All illnesses and conditions such as blindness, being lame, birth defects, are a result of the fall. The fact that we suffer illnesses and can suffer with conditions such as poor eyesight, allergies, and an aging body all point to death. Death that God did not intend because he is the creator of life, not death, but death because of the fall, the fall into sin. Jesus came into to the world to win the victory over sin, death, and the devil. Today's lesson then fits into this picture of Jesus, the lens of military history, as it's part of his military campaign of undoing the fall and being the savior of mankind. In today's lesson, Jesus brings healing to Peter's mother-in-law and to many others, and he casts out demons. In doing so, he is attacking the demons of Satan. He's undoing the results of the fall. He's winning battles over Satan and showing that he wants to restore the fallen creation. His miracles point to his desire for a completely restored kingdom that will be eternal, where his creation will be perfect again. And that will occur for you and me on the last day when Jesus returns and raises us up and gives us eternal glorified bodies and brings us into his new and perfect Jerusalem. It's easy to forget the conflicts. It's easy to overlook that this is a military campaign. And indeed, it's easy maybe to look at just things as brief encounters and forget the whole war. All around us, it's easy to forget demon possession, as Satan is far more successful around us in promoting unbelief by not showing his evil power than impressing people overtly such as he was doing in Christ's time. 
He is waging a campaign so that you would rather ignore God rather than trying to show you his power so that you would be forced to look to God and his deliverance against demons. Why show people that there's overt evil and risk them praying to God for deliverance when it's easier to point them to pleasure and to concentrate on who might or might not win next weekend's football game? Regarding illness, once again, Satan would have you concentrate on avoiding the cold and the flu, seeking surgeries, physical therapy, and treatments for cancer and earthly ailments, all in the name of extending life in this age for a few years, rather than you considering that all earthly ailments, disease, and death are a result of sin, and that the greatest peril you're in is not from cancer, but rather suffering eternally in hell. It's easy to ignore God and consider how monitoring your diet and seeking early doctors will help you live a better life for a few years. It's far as e easier to do that than to remember your own sinful condition and seeing that there is only one cure for your mortality eternally. That is through his son, Jesus Christ, who brings life and eternal life for you and me. Jesus did not come in this campaign to win battles over demons and disease so that you would live a comfortable life with all your family and friends, likewise having a comfortable life, with the result that you have great health and enjoy retirement until you are 102 years old, then you die in your sleep after a day in the park and dinner at your favorite restaurant. No, Jesus came to conquer sin, death, and the devil in a mighty way. He wins the eternal victory for you by seemingly losing. He allows himself to suffer and to die on the horrible cross. He takes upon himself all the sins of mankind and suffers for them. In the Gospel of Mark, then, you hear this cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the great warrior on your behalf, suffers the pains of hell all alone and dies for your sins and mine. His death, though, is not defeat. His death is triumph, for he wins for you forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. And he rises triumphant from the dead so that you would have eternal victory in him. He's conquered sin, death, and the devil by being incarnate for you, by dying on the cross for you, and rising from the dead for you. You are now part of an everlasting kingdom, and one day you will see your conquering Savior face to face. Unlike great military leaders in the past, his kingdom does not end. His kingdom is not tarnished by selfish ambition and greed for earthly glory and wealth. He is gracious and merciful and brings about his kingdom because of love for his fallen creation, the pinnacle of the creation, mankind. Though you still now live in a world ravaged by the fall, you have victory in your Savior, Jesus Christ. In the waters of baptism, you have his forgiveness of sins and you are members of his body, the church. He gives you life in his word. In this Lord's Supper, you have forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, and this Holy Supper points you to the greater banquet of the eternal King, Jesus Christ. In Mark, as well as Matthew, Luke, and John, goes about his campaign in the most perfect way. And he wins the greatest victory of all, guaranteeing you eternal life, life you already have in his name. Rejoice then in Christ our Lord. Rejoice in your Savior and the power of his might on your behalf.
Rejoice in the victory over sin, death, and the devil, and the eternal victory that is yours in him, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.